thank you for tuning in to the Transformed Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. This podcast challenges us to be different from this world in which we live and to transform ourselves into the best that we can be for God. Here is your host, Caleb Rutherford. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in and being with us today for this episode of the Transformed Podcast. I'm so grateful for this avenue, this platform of podcasting. It's been such a blessing in my life. Um, I hope it's a blessing in your life as well. It's such a, it's a really a wonderful use of technology today. You know, we think about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 and also Mark 16, among other places, and how really, you know, not everyone is able to, and not everyone has really the means to travel the world all the time and preach the gospel. Um, and yet I think about podcasting, how it's such an outstanding way to still be able to reach the world around us, um, not only locally here in our communities, but also throughout the country and also throughout the world. And so I'm so grateful for this avenue of podcasting. I'm grateful um, to be a part of Scattered Abroad, and I hope that you are um, benefiting from this podcast and all the other podcasts underneath this network. Um, Everyone here at Scattered Abroad is thankful to God. We certainly count this a great blessing, and I hope that you do as well. I do hope the Transformed Podcast specifically has been a a blessing in your life. I know through my own study, it's been a blessing for me in my life. I have um, enjoyed this second season of being underneath the Scattered Abroad Network. Um, I really enjoy doing character studies. Uh, they're really interesting to me. Going through Hebrews chapter 11, as we've done in this second season, really has been one of my favorite things to study, and I hopefully, hopefully it's been beneficial to you um, and that you have been enjoying it uh, as well. Uh, ben McDonald has also been a great help to me in this study. I'm grateful to have him back uh, for episode three as we continue this idea and theme of transforming into a person of faith. Um, so, Ben, appreciate you being back with us today. Yeah, thanks again for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Of course. Uh, we've looked at Abel, week number one, uh, episode number one, episode two. We looked at Enoch. And episode three today, we're going to be studying about Noah. Now, Noah really is an interesting study. Um, and unlike the first two, really kind of a lot is known about Noah. He's probably one of the, one of the more prominent characters, um, in the old Testament. Um, he, he is well known. Everybody knows his name and kind of his story and what he's about. Um, we would call him probably a hero of faith or a hero of the old Testament. Um, he did many, many great things. And yet he also did some things that were not so great as well. You know, there's some pretty big mistakes that he made in his life as well. And so the kind of the first thing I want to talk about here is I want this to be really a twofold lesson for us. Number one, you're not perfect. Um, no one ever is. You will never be the only person who ever has been is Jesus Christ. I think we all know that. Um, you're never perfect. It doesn't matter who, how great you are. It doesn't matter how um, little your name is known, how well your name is known. You are not perfect. You will make mistakes in life. And the second thing is that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how well known you are. In, in all reality, you're really not greater than the person sitting next to you. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, what experience you have, what schooling you might have. It doesn't matter um, what your name is, what your last name is, who knows you, who doesn't know you. None of that really matters because every single person is someone who has been created by God and someone whom Jesus has died for. And that's really what it all boils down to. And so you're not really greater than anybody else standing around you. We are all equal to one another and we're all striving for that same goal, which is to glorify God and and spread his word in the borders of his kingdom. So. Let's talk about Noah for just a minute. If you go to Genesis chapter 5, we talk about and we read about Noah. You look at Genesis 5 and verse 28, we find out his father was Lamech. Uh, He was 182 years old whenever he had Noah. Verse 31, his father died at age 777. 
Go to verse 32. Noah was 500 years old when he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his three sons. Now, obviously, is a lot. Obviously, a lot more is known about Noah. We really don't have time to talk about everything that's known. But I want you to read. I want or at least listen to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, um, where the writer here says, "By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear." prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So Ben, let me ask you this question kind of, as we begin this episode, what is the background of Noah um, and kind of Hebrews chapter 11, verse seven, how does it kind of all that tie in together? Well, I think it's important to take note and realize the same two words to begin this verse that begin the verses that of each people we're going to look at. And that's by faith, right? You know, Again, just like the two individuals we talked at, about before and just like the ones that we'll talk about um, to come, but Noah lived his life by faith, and he was faithful to God despite everything that went on around him in the world. And so that's kind of what we're looking at when we're thinking about the background of, of this account and what, um, what the Hebrew writer here is referring to is that the state of the world um, was in pretty bad shape at right. that time, right? And I think we, um, we really had to go back and focus to Genesis chapter six and specifically in verse five, where it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I mean, think about that. Every intent of the thoughts of man was wicked and evil. Right. I mean, I just can't even imagine that. And, and as we see continuing there in verse six and seven, that it, it got so bad that God was even sorry that he had made man and that he had, would go on to destroy man from the earth. You know, and we may think we have it bad today, and I think we do in some in a lot of ways, right? Sure. Every, you know, ever since sin entered the world, you know, in the Garden of Eden, there has been wickedness on the earth, and there always will be wickedness as long as there are imperfect humans living on the earth, and we know that there always will be. You know, I think about what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter one and verse nine. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Right now, our problems today may present themselves differently, uh, but they're certainly at the core the same things that have been going on. Forever, you know. Exactly. I also think of you know, think about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Not it was so bad that not even ten righteous men could be found, right? And it was eventually destroyed. Even fast forward to the New Testament, Romans chapter one, where Paul's writing about the wickedness of man at that time and the things that they were doing that God would give them up to their vile passions. I mean, God essentially washed his hands of it, and knew that they were they were not going to come back to the truth, right? And so, you know, the world is always contained and always will contain wickedness. And I think, so we think about the state of the world at that time and how wicked it was. Every intent of the thought of man's heart was on evil continually. But I love what it says. It gets there in verse eight, but Noah, Mm -hmm. there's that big word, but, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I think that goes to show truly the faith that, that Noah had that no matter what was going on around him, he found grace uh, in the eyes of God. And that was because of his faith. Exactly right. Yeah, no, I think, you know, you go to, um, that's what I'm saying. The, the story of Noah is so interesting because you, you look at everything that went on around him, like you said, and yet here's a man who stands out above everybody else. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a good lesson for us too. And I, we're going to talk about this more as we go on, but you know, when the world and the crowd around you is doing wrong, what are you going to do? Are you going to blend in and be like everybody else? Or are you going to be someone like Noah who stands up and stands out and who's going to be different from everybody else around them? Now, we do know that Noah, you go, you look at Genesis chapter 6, you can read. We don't obviously don't have time to do that. You could look at verses 13 through 21. He is divinely warned by God that uh, the world's going to be destroyed. And it was going to be destroyed because, like what Ben mentioned in verse, verse 5, the thoughts uh, of the heart was only evil continually. Man was wicked 
and they were only wicked. They wanted to do wickedness, and that was it. And so God's going to destroy them. Um, and so in verses 13 through 21, a revelation is given to Noah by God himself. Now, what were some of these things in this verse that talks about, that it talks about in verse, uh, um, you go back to Hebrew, the Hebrews chapter 11, what were some of those things that he had not yet seen? Well, I think number one was the flood. Um, we could ask the question, did they know what rain was? Um, I suppose possibly. I don't think they did. I don't know. Ben, do you, do you have any thought on that? I don't really know if they did, but I, I guarantee you they didn't know what rain like that was. Right, exactly. right? They yeah. haven't seen rain to that extent for sure. Exactly. So we, you know, we don't necessarily know the full extent of it, but I guarantee you they hadn't seen that. <laughs> right. They'd never seen anything like the flood before that God was going to send down. Now, I think it's a good point to make here that the, the Bible says that he was moved with godly fear. Uh, you read in the ESV, it says he was moved with reverent fear. I think this is a great point to make here in that he feared and he revered God so much to the point that he made this giant boat, that he made this ark. Obviously, he was a faithful person. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, like you referenced a moment ago. Um, he had no idea what was coming. He didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, he did in the sense that God had told him, but he, in his mind, I'm sure he couldn't even imagine what this was. And yet he he feared God so much. He had so much respect for God that he was going to do whatever God told him to do, regardless of what it was. Um, and so I think that's so important to know that he had no idea what was, what was coming, yet he still acted on his faith in God. Right. You know, you think back there and looking there in verse 7 of Hebrews 11 that, you know, he was divinely warned. God gave him the warning. God told him that the, what was going to happen. A flood was coming, and he also gave him specific instructions. And like you said, Noah didn't know what was coming in the sense of he couldn't wrap his mind around it because as we talked about, you know, he'd never seen rain like that, and right. none of us have ever nor will ever see another uh, rain and flood like that. But yet, by faith, he still followed those instructions, right? He still right. heeded that warning even when he, he couldn't see, but he had the faith and the trust in God that he was going to, uh, and he was, it didn't matter, he was going to do what God wanted him to do. You know, I think about um, John chapter 20, right, and the, the account of, of doubting Thomas as we may know him. But Jesus tells him that, you know, because you've seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not yet seen, mm. but yet have right. believed. See, Noah still believed that what God had told him, that a flood was coming, and he needed to you know, get his his house in order to be able to be prepared for that. And even though he couldn't see it, Noah still did it. And, then, of course, we can see that that was because of um, his faith. Exactly. Now, that's a great point. Now, we think about the, the idea of, you know, why did he do this? Why did, um, despite everything that was going on, why did Noah obey God? Why was he faithful to him? And I think kind of the main reason is obviously for the saving of his household, his family was was extremely important to him, um, and the well being of his children was important to Noah, to the point to where he was going to do whatever it took to ensure their safety, even if that meant doing things that sounded probably absurd uh, at that point in time, you know. And and this is kind of the main point of this, I guess, that we kind of want to hit. Um, we, you know, what what do we do? Let's think about us today as Christians. What do we do when we are the only ones uh, who are doing the right thing? You know, do we conform the individuals around us? Um, are, are, are we, like the idea of this podcast, do we conform to those around us or are we transformed by our faith in God to stand out because we're, go we're doing the right thing? Um, I can only imagine, uh, I really probably can't even imagine what was going on through the minds of those in Noah's day, even around Noah. Um, you know, the, what are you doing? Why are you building this boat? What, what's rain? What, what's a flood? Um, and so I wonder what he thought. Um, with all of that going out, you think about when the animals started appearing two by two, what did the people think? What, like, what are all these animals doing? Why are they coming here? You know, so it's kind of interesting just to think, you know, what kind of what went through, what went through their minds. 
Yeah, I, I can't help but think about maybe, and especially in relating this to us, and and what do we do if we're the only ones doing right? Think about how lonely that can be. Oh yeah. And now we realize that Noah, you know, at least had his family, but still think about that, including himself. That's eight people, right, out of the whole world that are you know only the only ones doing what they're supposed to be doing. That can be a pretty lonely feeling. And many times we feel like no one else is there for us, but we have to realize that God is always there, right? right? You mentioned the Great Commission uh, earlier, but, you know, Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Exactly. And that is something, again, um, sometimes we can push that aside and lose focus on yeah. that. But if we always keep that at the forefront of our minds, we realize that we're never alone. And especially if we're doing what God would have us to do, uh, he's always going to be there with us. And I think we can take that great example from Noah there in Genesis chapter six, and we skip down to verse 22, where it says Noah did all that God commanded him. And so obviously that was by his faith and it didn't matter what he could see or what he couldn't see, but because of his faith, he was going to do everything that God commanded him. And so therefore he was going to be okay. Everything was going to be fine. And the same is true for us too. Right. Yeah. We are, we're never the underdog. We're, we're never outnumbered. We're never, um, the odds are never in our favor, um, simply because God is on our side. But regardless of Physically, who may be standing with us? You know, I think a great example of that is go back to Elijah and the prophets of, of Baal and Mount Carmel, First Kings chapter 18, where it was literally him alone facing these hundreds or maybe even thousands of, of the, the false prophets. And yet he still stood victorious because his faith was in God and God took care of him. Yeah, talk about the lonely feeling, right? right? Exactly. He was actually by himself, but it didn't matter because right. he knew he was, you know, more than conquerors, right. right? Because God was with them. Exactly. And what a what a lesson for us today, especially for, um, you know, we talk so much about young people going through school, but even you know people like people like our age, you know, who go through who go through work, um, and in the workplaces and what you know different situations like that where it may seem like you're the only one who's doing the right thing. I, I I've had friends talk to me about you know sometimes they'll go to like company dinners and different things like that, and they're the only ones not drinking alcohol, and people look at them weird and ask them you know why, and yet we need to be individuals who regardless of what's going on, regardless of who's there, even if we're the only ones, we're still going to stand up and do what's right. And, you know, no matter what goes on around us. Yeah. I think that's, you know, a good point you bring. And that's one thing, as I get older, you know, you, you learn and, you know, and as you age and you mature, you, you really, you know, begin to just kind of care less about what other <laughs> right. people think right. you really do. But if we do have some younger listeners, here's just some word of advice. And I can guarantee, and this is learned from my own experiences that, People respect you more for standing up for something, right. whether they agree with it or not. Right. Um, if you're upfront about it and you're not wishy-washy about it, people will respect you more and respect your wishes more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure many of you have maybe run into that uh, circumstance where you may be the only one, but I promise you that uh, you'll be okay. It'll be okay in the end if you're doing what you're supposed to to do. And and you know, nine times out of ten, I can't say it always will, but it'll work out better, and they will respect you more for it. And if they don't. Uh, they're just, you know, toxic people around you anyway that you probably don't need to need to be around. Yeah, exactly. And so I can, you know, I can only imagine the thoughts going through the minds of Noah and his family. Um, you know, they were going into a situation that they'd never been in before. They were the only ones doing it. What's rain? What's a flood? Why are all these animals showing up? But, you know, imagine the conversations going on between Noah and um, I guess Mrs. Noah. We don't really know her name. <laughs> but you know, just imagine the things going on in their heads. Um you know, I stress to, to our youth group so much, um, we cannot worry about what other people think about us. And I think, like you mentioned, the older you get, the less you care about it. Right. Um, but for someone who, you know, is going through middle school, high school, even into college, you, that is something that you care about. You know, you don't want to be the person that stands out. You don't want to be the person that's different from everybody. You want people to think of you as somebody who's just, you know, just a normal kid, a normal person 
you know, just like everybody else. And it's such a vital lesson, though, um, even for, for young people, but for adults today as well. You know, we look at our coworkers, our family members, friends, teammates, classmates, whatever it is. You know, what do we do when they do the wrong thing? What do we do when they invite us to go along with them and do the wrong thing with them? Um, you know, what do we do when, when they ridicule us for choosing to do the right thing? And I think about the apostles back in the first century and how um, so oftentimes they were the only ones standing out and doing, doing what's right. So, you know, the question for us is, you know, what do we do when they're faced with situations like that? Yeah, and I think if the answer is obviously more easy, uh, easily said than done right. many times in our life. Right. And, and don't get me wrong, none of us – want to have that feeling of rejection, right? Fear of rejection is a, is a real thing. Sure. Um, and that's a real obstacle that we have to, to get over. But I know one thing that helps, helps me sometimes is to reflect that, you know, that the old saying, don't shoot the messenger. But I think about, you know, uh, Jesus, right? We, we think about Luke chapter 10, verse 16, he rejects you, rejects me. And then, you know, John 15, where Jesus says, the world hated me before it hated you. And so if we realize that, you know, again, don't shoot the messenger. We're not, they're not rejecting us, but right. rather they're rejecting the principles and, and, and the, um, you know, the oracles of God that we're called to do and, and speak and share and that we are taking out into the world. They're, they're rejecting the information. Exactly. They're not truly rejecting us. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't right. mean it's a good feeling, right? We, none right. of us want to feel that way. But because of that, we can kind of say, hey, you know, that's not me saying this. It, it's God. And, of course, we know the, the consequences of, of rejecting God. You know, but we have to do ultimately because we're responsible for ourselves. We have to do, you know, what we are supposed to do. No, you no, you're exactly right. You know, we think about Noah. If Noah was a missionary today um, in our world, I think many people in our world, and I th- even, and sadly enough, I think even a lot of people within the church would look at Noah and would, they would think that he's this big old failure, right? Because he's obviously preaching and obviously teaching to his contemporaries, to the people who are around him. You look at Second Timothy or Second Peter. Chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, And did not spare the ancient world, but Noah saved one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood and uh, on the world of the ungodly. And yet, so obviously, he, he preached to those around him. He was trying to help those around him see the good in what they were doing and to, and to perhaps believe and come with him. But who did he save? His own household. You go back to, again, First Peter, Second Peter 2, verse 5, eight people, including himself. And so it, in God's eyes, he was a very successful mm-hmm. person because the ones who he saved were his family. Um, and I think, you know, the only ones who are on your boat are the members of your family, then you've been successful. It doesn't matter. Um, not, I'm not saying it doesn't matter the people around you, but what truly matters is first yourself, obviously your soul, and then the souls of your family. And then you can start looking at other people. But if the only effect that you have is on your children or on your wife or on your husband or whoever it might be, then you're, you've been successful because you've helped that one, even one soul it makes everything worth it. And so I think that's something to, to remember as we, as we go forward. Yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a couple of things with that too. You know, number one, I think about, you know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Right. right? We've heard that saying many times throughout life and many different, you know, talking about many different things, but you know, all we can do is, you know, we can preach and we can, we can share and we can evangelize, but we can't make someone believe it. You know, that's right. a decision they have to make for themselves. And with that, uh, we have to realize that, talking about Noah being, you know, successful in God's eyes, we are ultimately first responsible for ourselves, right? We've talked about that in other episodes that, you know, I can't, I can't go on behalf of you and you can't go on behalf of me. We're each uh, held accountable for ourselves. And so Noah's first responsibility is himself and his next responsibility is to his family. Right. Um, you know, and, and again, and we see his success in, in that regard. And we talk about that, you know, kind of that progression, you know, the responsibility to yourself, then the responsibility 
to your to your family and to your household and then to the to the world. And again, you know, we can't make people believe it, but I will say because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord as we talk about in and again, as you mentioned, eight souls, including him, that were saved uh, certainly was a success in God's eyes because he did just that. He was a preacher of righteousness, and he did everything that God asked him to do, and he can't be held accountable for the other people in the world being so wicked that they didn't want anything to do with it. Exactly. Yeah, so you know, as we look at, as we look at Noah, obviously a great ind- individual of faith, someone who stood up, who did the right thing no matter what was going on around him and what an example that is for us today. As we look at, at us in our world today, certainly we can, uh, we can look at Noah as an example to us as a great man of faith. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.